everyone and welcome to episode 103 of the Talking Fitball podcast. My name's Derek Clark and each week we try and bring you an in-depth interview with some of the most interesting and colourful characters involved in the game. This week I had the pleasure of chatting to Canada's finest, the one and only Colin Miller. Colin was absolutely terrific as he relived his time in the game from starting out at the star-studded Toronto Blizzards before his move to his beloved Rangers. We also hear about his spells at Doncaster, Hamilton, Hartston, Fermlin and St Johnston as well as his time as a coach either side of the Atlantic. So sit back and enjoy the latest episodes of the Talking Football Podcast. Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of the Talking Football Podcast. I'm absolutely delighted to say we're joined on the line this week by former Rangers, Hamilton Ackies, Hartston, Fernand, you name it, Canada skipper as well, Colin Miller. Colin, thank you very much for coming on. Derek, it's an absolute pleasure. I thought we were going to run out of time there. <laughs> <laughs> it's great to be on the show. Yeah, the great career in the game, Colin. Um, before we look at that, in terms of... Um, I know coronavirus is affecting everyone across the planet at the moment. In terms of yourself and your family, are you keeping safe and well? Yes, touch wood, everybody's been fine, Derek. It's, uh, it's just this crazy world. I mean, we're no different in Canada than what you guys were like back, uh, back home. Um, we're taking a little while longer than everyone would have liked to get the vaccines done. We're, my wife and I have had ours done, but they're slowly but surely they're working their way down through the ages, so it's... Uh, we're getting there slowly but surely, but um, you know it's taken everybody, you know it's taken everyone by storm this this bloody virus. So fingers crossed that we're we're getting to the end of the thing now, and and I think vaccination is going to be the key. Yeah, in terms of the football calling, have they get fans back in yet over there? Well, it's it's interesting, Derek. I uh, I do the radio commentary, a color commentary for the Vancouver Whitecaps. Now all three Canadian MLS teams have all had to move down to the States. So the Whitecaps are now based down in uh, Sandy, Utah. Uh, that's where their home stadium is at the moment, believe it or not. So they're down there for three months. So they've the ownership have, have flown a, a, an entourage of 80-odd people down there. So that's the players, their families, uh, coaching staff, uh, medical staff, all sorts of things. So their home field uh, for three months anyway, because we're hoping that, that because of the, the border being closed at the moment, anyone traveling in from the US would have to quarantine for two weeks before they could play. So that's very unrealistic at the moment to ask a team to come in, stay in Vancouver for two weeks to play a game and then leave. So the, the MLS and, and the Canadian ownership, so that's Toronto and Montreal, as well as the Whitecaps, They've had to move lock, stock and barrel down to the United States and be based down there until the borders open up and it's safe to do so. Yeah, it's crazy times, it really is. Um, I know over here we're getting uh, 2,000 fans in for the, the Scottish Cup final, um, so that's at least a start, but it won't be well until next season, I think, before we see um, supporters making their way up back into uh, football stadium. It's like you say, Colin, it's, it's strange times that we live in. Um, yes. Your career then, Colin, um, growing up, were you born in Lanark back in 1964, is that right? I was born in uh, Law Hospital, actually. Yeah, yeah. In 1964, it seems before the dinosaurs did it. <laughs> but yes, uh, we, I, I was, uh, my family, we were 10, 
I was 10, sorry, when, when we emigrated to Vancouver in 1975. Yeah. What, what was that? Was it when your parents get a job over there or something like that? Is that why you moved over? Yes. Uh, well, at the time, uh, my dad was a coal miner uh, in Kings Hill number three in Allenton, the, the village that we grew up in, uh, just outside of Shorts. Um, and my mum worked at Hartwood Mental Hospital. Uh, yeah. there. So we had we had family. My dad's sister, uh, Wilma, lived in, in Canada uh, in a place called Prince George. So at that time, we could actually sponsor someone to come across. Uh, and long story short, we, we, we moved across in 1975. And again, it was just a, to try, my mum and dad, we had, you know, I've got an older brother and two younger sisters. It was just try to give us the best possible life we possibly, that we could get. And uh, it's it's worked out very well. My brother still lives in Scotland. He lives in Hart Hill. Yeah. And, uh, uh, my two sisters are still out here. My mum's still, still going strong as well. So we lost my dad a, a number of years ago, but um, it, it, the, moving to Canada was was phenomenal. It was it was the best move the family ever made. Yeah, but can you always remember playing uh, football as, as a young boy, Colin, or did you play? I know over there a, a lot of different sports over there at, at the time. Well, I mean, like most boys at that at that time, uh, as soon as you could walk, there was a football feet. Uh, <laughs> and my brother and I, my dad was my dad was football daft. The whole family was and and. Uh, we grew up as, as Glasgow Rangers supporters and, uh, you know, every Christmas we would get, like ever and all the boys would get together with the new strips at Christmas and play down the square with, with our new footballs and nobody wanted to use their brand new ball at Christmas because they, they would get wasted. So <laughs> you're arguing about who which ball to use, but but that's what it was like. And, and at every at, at primary school, it was always, as soon as the, the bell rung, we were out with the ball and, and playing. So... We, we actually, my brother and I, had a, had a real good head start on the average Canadian lad uh, over this side, uh, Derek, just because of the infatuation with, with football. Uh, and we were we were identified pretty early on, actually, and, and I'm sure we'll get to this later on, but but it was, uh, it was fantastic playing football. I mean, the only organised football that I played up until I came to Canada was through the school, Allenton Primary School. That was the only that was the only organised football, and it was just a teacher that was that had picked a team through the boys that were playing. And then you moved to Canada, and everything was just so much structured over here. Yeah, and you, so you go to is it Toronto Blizzard that, that, that picked you up? Then is that that your first um, uh, pro club, if you like, over there? Yeah. So what happened at, at that time, um, Derek? Was the of course you get identified through the local. Uh, uh, select groups in Vancouver uh, and at that time there were scouts coming out to watch because Vancouver was a real hotbed for for players uh, and their development uh, so the the high school tournaments here there were scouts from all over the place coming to watch and, and I knew that the Toronto uh, Blizzard scout was there there was a gentleman by the name of John McMahon Scotch guy and a, and a Ranger supporter as well funny enough but John uh, liked what he saw at the time and then what happened from there I had to go back for a week's trial. Uh, so you could imagine a 17-year-old lad, a just turned 17-year-old lad, coming coming from Vancouver, flying into Toronto. And Toronto's three times the size of Vancouver. And I could hardly find the bus to get to the to school every day, never mind uh, find my way around there. So anyway, uh, Bob Houghton was the manager of yeah. Toronto. And uh, uh, Bob had a very decorated career 
uh, and he was he was terrific, one of the best I've ever worked with. Uh, and I, I, I trained with the lads for a week, and they they must have saw enough Derek at that time to to offer me a contract. And then I got it, it, the the system at the time was a draft system, so I actually found out that I had been drafted by Toronto when I was sitting in a classroom at, in at high school because they, I guess the Blizzard had contacted the high school. And then the school principal put it over the, the, the tannoy everywhere. So it was pretty neat sitting in the classroom. So, But it was it was a great club, a great club. And it was a good club for giving uh, young Canadian lads a chance. Yeah. So I was very fortunate. Yeah, I was fascinated by, by them. I was doing some research earlier. Some of the players that they had there is, 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 is eye-watering the likes. Jimmy Nichol was there, wasn't he, for a time? Yeah. Um, the, the Italian boy, um, Roberto Bottega as well, an absolute legend. What, what was it like to... Um, sort of run about with these guys. Dave Fairclough as well was there for a bit, wasn't he? Yeah, I mean, it was, uh, there was a, a lad called Derek Spaulding as well, was a Scots yeah. lad. And I think Derek played uh, for Hibs, if I'm not mistaken, uh, either Hibs or Aberdeen or something, I think Derek played with. But there were players, there were South African players that were phenomenal. There was a guy, even if you ask Ali McCoyst about this goal, because uh, Toronto Blizzard, we played Rangers one night, yeah. And um, it was it was uh, a goal. We, we beat Rangers 2-0. And a guy called uh, Ace Enselenque was his name. There was two very famous players that came out of South Africa at the time. Ace was one and a guy called Jomo Sono was another one. And, and Ace scored this fantastic goal. And Koisty, the last time, we were, he still speaks about the goal. Oh. Um, it was such a terrific goal. But um, it, it, was a, it was a great club. There was the... the it was a real... Um, you know, there was there was Jan Moller who played for Sweden, was a goalkeeper for Sweden. Connie Carlson was a centre back for for Sweden as well. We had David Byrne uh, played uh, in South Africa. Uh, Neil Roberts, two South African strikers. It was it was absolutely what an education it was at that time. Yeah, and that was like you say, you played against Rangers. Um, they played against some some right good sides at that time. I don't know if you featured, I know you featured against uh, Juventus and uh, they played the likes of Benfica, Ajax and all that. Why, why, was all, why did you play those sorts of teams, Colin? How did all that come about? Well, it was a, it was actually a big part of the Blizzard programme um, to play these. I mean, it was Porto. It was a real yeah. forest. The, the list was... Yeah, was Sampdoria as well, wasn't it? Yeah, Sampdoria and... Um, we also went on a, on a three-game tour with Roberto Bettiga. He set it up. We played Juventus uh, in Turin, tied nothing each, or drew nothing each with them. We played Inter Milan in the San Siro uh, <laughs> against Sampdoria with Liam Brady and Trevor Francis playing for Sampdoria. It was, it was absolutely unbelievable, but we had uh, terrific sponsorship. The, the crowds were phenomenal. At, at, you know, for, for Toronto, it was a small stadium of 18, 20,000, but the stadiums were packed when we played these games and uh, it, it was every year, it was just a the summer programme, so it's, it kind of suited the travelling teams as well because it was a part of the pre-season uh, or it was a, a, a tail end of the, their season uh, trip for them. So, But some of the games, Derek, were phenomenal. We, you know, drawing nothing each and, and beating Juventus with a very young side. It, it was, and they, these was Paulo Rossi, there was Tardelli, yeah. there was they were all playing. It was, I've seen you know that. Yes, it was. It was phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. 
especially that team. I mean, they just they were just they won the World Cup in '82, didn't they? So I mean, they've been the, the just real star names. But the, I guess you learned as a young boy, Colin. Then you can't not help but learn against playing against these sort of guys. Well, it was it, it made you. I'm trying to think the best word, maybe a bit cultured uh, yeah. at a very early age, just because of the different styles, the different systems um, of, of play that you had. Even in North America, generally, is, is different from what it is back home. Uh, a different type of football, although they call this aggressive over here. But uh, I, I get up at four o'clock in the morning to watch uh, Rangers play every, every week. And uh, it's a wee bit uh, more aggressive back home than it is out this way. But but it was it was fantastic. For a young player's education, um, you know that when a when when you were playing against some genuinely world class players. I mean, that night that, that for instance, we played against the uh, uh, Rangers. I was playing right fullback for us, and uh, Jimmy Nicol played wide in the right for us. And then I'm playing against God rest him, Davy Cooper, and I, I knew what Cooper was like, and I thought, well, please let. Let Cook be on a holiday here at the moment. Let's make sure he's quite as interested as he would be. Uh, and thankfully, I, I did okay against him. But but just that experience, week in and week out, especially, I was a young guy. I was 17, 18 years of age when all of this sort of thing was happening. Yeah. And uh, it was just fabulous, the experience. Yeah. So, of course, Rangers do come calling in 84. Colin, how, how did that move come about then? Well, it's a, it's a bit of a story, this one, uh, for sure. The, when, when Bob Houghton was the manager of Toronto, he, he wanted me to go back to Scotland. And he said, where was your, your local team? Where would your local team have been? And well, the, the closest would have been Motherwell uh, to, where I, to where I lived. So, and he said, who's the manager there? I said, it's Jock Wallace that's the manager at, at Motherwell. He says, oh, I know Jock. So the two of them made contact with each other. And I come, I came back to Motherwell for a month's pre-pre-season, if you like. Yeah. And, and I did very well at Motherwell. Gary McAllister was at Motherwell at the time. Uh, Big Edbleton, I think, played with Celtic, was, was there as well. Shuggy, I think his nickname was, if I'm not mistaken. But... But it was, it, it was great. And Brian McClare was playing for Motherwell 2 at the time. Um, so it, it, I trained and I played in a number of reserve games or, or, or different fixtures and, and did well. But, but Big Jock and his assistant, of course, was Frank Connor uh, at Motherwell. So it was a real, it was a real uh, experience working with those two, I can tell you. But so, so after the month, Derek, Big Jock asked me, he said, listen, he said, this NASL, this is going to fold here. He says, rip up the contract you've got. And he says, and I'll play at left back against Celtic on Saturday. And uh, I, I couldn't do that, obviously, at the time. But but I kept in touch with Big Jock. And when he came across uh, with the Rangers team, he went back to Rangers. When it was, he was the manager, when they played against the Blizzard, he said, I, I need to speak to you. And he spoke to me before the game. And he said, don't leave here until, I, to, until I've spoken to you after the game. So my dad had flown in from Vancouver to watch the, the, the game, of course, uh, which is a four and a half hour, five hour flight uh, from, from Vancouver to Toronto. So it was quite a distance to watch his, uh, his son play against Rangers. But Big Jock came into the dressing room and he says, um, make sure you speak to me afterwards. So the game was finished and uh, I, I met up with him and he said, listen, he says, as soon as this league folds, I'm going to ask you to come back to, to play uh, for Rangers. 
And of course, as you can imagine, that was just phenomenal to hear that sort of word, uh, those sort of words. And and, and it happened that the, the, the league folded the next day, four o'clock in the morning, our time here, uh, big jock phone and said, we'll do everything we can, we'll get you back across. But it was, it was horrendous how it happened because it, my wife and I moved across. I did all of the pre-season, Derek, and I was I was going to play at left back in the first team. Uh, we were doing a tour up up north, and I got a knock on the the room door about two uh, thirty in the afternoon, three o'clock, and it was Big Jock saying, "Sorry, we man, you can't play." I said, "What do you mean I can't play?" And it was an international clearance problem. So it actually took about seven weeks for this international clearance to come through, and. Of course, he was competing against Ali Dawson and Stuart Monroe, yeah. and and the lads went on and did well. They were the fantastic teammates as well. But so I only ended up playing seven games for Rangers. But uh, that's how that's how that story happened. Yeah, the, touching on, on Jock Wallace, Colin. I mean, he's quite such an imposing figure and what have you. And how, how did you find him? Did he have that sort of aura about him? Yes, he did. I mean, everything that you've seen and heard and yeah. uh, read about him is true. But what he did have was a massive heart. There was a, a persona that he, he put across, but he loved his players, loved his players. And he wanted, he loved the club uh, and the supporters, everything about it. Uh, it, it was, it, he was a special man, a special man. And, and you know, I've, I've listen to what Ali McCoyce and the guys have said about Big Jock. I have his book upstairs. And, you know, he was actually, I don't think he actually got credit for his knowledge and, and how hard he worked behind the scenes and how successful he was uh, as, a, as a manager and as a coach, how good he was. Uh, but uh, he, he was he was great to play for. Unfortunately, um, you know, it's actually a trivia question, Derek. I'm sure uh, some of the listeners might be curious for this. You might win a few bob with this. So the, the question was, who was the last Rangers captain under Jock Wallace? And it was actually me. Wow. And uh, yeah, it was big Jock picked me as a captain because we played in a friendly against Tottenham Hotspur uh, on a Sunday. So the league game was on the Saturday. We played Spurs at Ibrox on the on the Sunday, and I, I I led the team out that day and shook hands with Ray Clements at the halfway line. So I was actually the last Rangers captain under Big Jock. So I was the captain. I must have done a good job because Big Jock got sacked the next day, and then of course my hero came in, uh, and that was Graham Souness. He was my favourite player of all time, and uh, things goodness me they changed at that point. Yeah, you touching on that, Colin. I mean, captain in Rangers at, at twenty, you mean about twenty or nineteen years of age at that point. That's that's incredible, really. But that's always something that you had in you that you could lead a team. Yes, I mean, I've always, I mean, I'm quite a humble guy, so I don't want to blow my trumpet here. Yeah. But I, I wanted, I, I never, I never abused the fact that I was a professional footballer. I wanted to turn up every day and do my best. Now, I wasn't a silky player. I'm not saying by any stretch of the imagination, I'm Lionel Messi or anything like that. But um, what I was, was an honest, hardworking professional that knew my limitations. And I, I was an important part of the majority of the clubs that I played for because I fit into that manager's uh, jigsaw puzzle, you know. And yeah. um, I, I, the, the, I hated players with bad attitudes, lack of discipline, that sort of thing. Um, even nowadays, working with players, whether they're senior international players or whether they're, they're grassroots kids, I want I want people to to try their best to do their best because I'm probably a great example of what you can achieve if you're 
if you're not blessed with phenomenal abilities, Derek. So uh, those are those are the sort of traits that I look for in people for sure. Yeah, and, and walking into that dressing room for the first time, uh, Colin, I mean, absolute stars in there. Like you mentioned McCoyst, Durant would have been there, Cooper would have been there, and the players you were up against, the likes of Ali Dawson, uh, Stuart Monroe and all that sort of stuff. Were, were you not intimidated or anything like that, or did, did they make you feel welcome? Oh, it was it was great, and and the the guys that you've mentioned, Ali Dawson became my assistant at, at Hamilton, yeah. uh, just because of the the respect I had. I got on great, still do with Ali, touch base with them now and again. And and Stuart Monroe, we travelled in with with big Craig Patterson, Andy Bruce, Scott Nisbet. We travelled in uh, from to to training every day. But Nicky Walker, you couldn't help but get on with Nicky. He's uh, he's, he's such a popular lad. Uh, it was it was a really good dressing room. The the characters in the room, goodness me, you, you never turned your back. You were, if you wore anything dodgy, mind you, with a big job, you had to be clean shaven and wear collar and tie every day to training uh, and and leaving as well. Ibrox, you had to have the collar tied up, and so on. It, it was just a you know it was just the standards. Every manager is different, of course, but this was a standard that Big Jock had for for Glasgow Rangers. But the the lads were phenomenal, and and even. When I was the manager of FC Edmonton, I, I took the staff back to the Rangers training facility and uh, mm. when McCoyce was the manager and him and Durante have spent the you know, full afternoon with us. Uh, same with Big Davey Weir when, when he was uh, in there at Rangers as well. His his staff were phenomenal with us too. So the, the Craig Mulholland with, with, the, with the youth department. So it was fantastic. So that, um, it, it, was, it was really a special time, that, that's for sure. But... Unfortunately, the team struggled. You know, we were, yeah. I think we were sitting maybe middle of the pack, uh, to yeah. be honest with you. And, and I look back and I say, well, yeah, they're trying to sign players like Colin Miller. What uh, what chances are they going to have when you see the difference that when Graham Souness walked into the dressing room and what happened at that point? So yeah. uh, it's all, it all history. But it was a real major step for, I, I think, not only Scottish football, but for British football as well when Souness came back. Yeah, what was it the, the sort of players' um, reaction and, and that sort of thing when um, when he got announced? Uh, Colin, I guess was everyone fully supportive of him, of him coming in because, like you see, he revolutionised the club at that point, didn't he? Yes, he did. I, I can remember all the all the, whether it was reserves or first team players who were all in the first team dressing room, and Mr. Holmes, the chairman of the club, uh, uh, came in uh, and and. It was just wow. I mean, we were all like pints of milk. We were that white because we had the training and so on and the Scottish weather. And soon as came in and he had one of these fast designer trips and he was all suntanned. He was like a male model. <laughs> so and he, and he came in and, and you know, he, he quite honestly said, he says, guys, he says, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to change things. I'm going to change exactly how things are done here. And, you know, I tell the stories of, of the, the gear that, you know, we used to wear the same gear three or four days in a row at Rangers at the time, you know, and it had the gear dried and, and the big dryers, the big cupboards that were in, in the dressing room used to hang the gear up and, you know, as soon as changed things right away. I think the first signings he, he made possibly was getting big industrial washer, washer and dryers, you know, and, and it sounds crazy. I mean, Rangers supporters that are dyed in the world, they will never hear that, oh, that can't be right, that can't be right. But it was true. It was just uh, just what the club did. We we wore old Rangers strips to training, um, you know, and 
uh, it was just the way it was. Uh, then when Sunas came in, he changed everything. Obviously, the standards in Italy and what he was used to, this was what he wanted for, for, for Rangers at the time. So there was a lot, of, not just bringing in the Terry Butchers and the Chris Woods and so on, not, not just that side of it, Derek, but he added something. He knew, well, we all know the potential of both Rangers and Celtic, of course, yeah. that, that he knew that he was going to wake a sleeping giant up here. Uh, at some point, and, and goodness me, he did. Yeah. In terms of um, your debut, Colin, can you remember much much about that? Yeah, it was it was against Clyde Bank at Ibrox, and uh, you know I took the bus. I was staying in, in Hart Hill at the time of all places. Uh, I took the bus from from Hart Hill into into Glasgow, and then got the train or the subway from there. And I'm sitting there, but I've still got my Rangers blazer up the stair. And I'm, I'm sitting like a tailor's dummy here with all the gear on. And you've got Rangers supporters that are going to the game. They're wishing you the best of luck. And so, and if you know, got a car, wee man. I didn't have a car at the time. So it was, it was unbelievable. Just a, a different world altogether. You know, a different world altogether. And then uh, I believe we beat uh, Clyde Bank 2-0 that day. And then the following week was against St Mirren. We beat them uh, as well. And then uh, uh, the next game, there was three games in a row for me. Uh, we lost to Hearts in the Cup at Tynecastle and the pitch was just a sheet of ice I think it was 3-2 the game was uh, at Tynecastle but the crowd were packed in and I didn't think the referee would have got out of the stadium alive if he hadn't uh, allowed the game to go on but unfortunately we lost 3-2 that day to another one of my old clubs the Jambos but um, you know it was it was just uh, even with the reserves and stuff like that Derek you know I won the reserve league uh, with the Rangers won the Glasgow Cup playing with Billy Davis as an example he was a what a yeah. player Billy was. And, you know, Billy was, you know, it brought me down to Derby County when he was the manager uh, yeah. in the Premier League. Um, I, I thought Billy was a fantastic footballer uh, and, a, and, and a fantastic manager, by the way. It's, uh, it's, I can't believe that it's been quiet for him the last while, but yeah. um, he was he was someone, there was there was two or three of us that were consistently very good in the reserves and big Stuart Beatty who came down to Doncaster with us as well. Uh, Stuart was terrific. Unfortunately, his career ended through uh, a couple of serious back injuries and and so on. But it was it was uh, yeah, it was just it was just it's, it was a privilege because I, I never abused it. I still don't. I remember Big Doug Bailey uh, saying to me outside of Ibrox one day uh, that you know he said you'd be disappointed, wee man, how things worked out at Rangers that you know you, you didn't play as many games as you wanted to play and so on. He says, but it doesn't matter whatever you do the rest of your career, any article will always be Colin Miller ex Rangers, and it's true. It's everywhere you go, and I mean, yeah. I, I was fans of nothing at, at Rangers in all honesty, but you still get uh, Colin Miller ex Rangers, you know. Yeah. yeah, I was going to say that. Yeah, that as well. I mean. Your family must have been right proud uh, of you representing the club as as long as well as yourself, Colin. It must must have been a proud time for you. I guess you. I guess I don't know. I don't know if you think that at the time when, when you're a player, but um, it's obviously proud to represent the, 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 your boyhood heroes. I guess. Yes, I mean the, the family, as you as you can imagine, growing up a a Rangers supporter. Yeah. My dad, me, and my brother Dal to our first Rangers game, and it was against Falkirk at Ibrooks and. Um, uh, you know, when we were probably about nine or ten uh, at that time, and the hook was in at that point. You know, you, you you talk about it, but then when you actually go in and you see the first team playing, it was it was amazing. So, 
you, you never lose it. It's, it's a club, even through the very difficult times, I was still up watching them and, you know, saying bad words, wanting to throw a laptop through the window and all sorts of things that, that go on. But th this is your club. This is what's in your heart. You support them. And it didn't matter whatever club I played for. It wasn't a, that I didn't try any harder or, or work as hard as I possibly could for any other club. No, every club means a lot to me. I'm very passionate about the clubs that I've played for. But it was just something different about Rangers, of course. Um, and, and that's what was the catalyst for the rest of my career, uh, to be honest with you. And then when I, when I moved down to Doncaster, it was funny because Big Terry Butcher was struggling with the cold all week. And I, do, I trained with the first team all the time. And uh, I got a phone call from Walter Smith at the house asking if I'd come in uh, and have dinner with the players, the first team, because they stayed at the Grosvenor Hotel the night before games. So I'm thinking, oh, good, Big Butch is no well. I'm thinking maybe I'll get a chance to sneak it into the squad. That's how you had to think, you know. Yeah. And uh, I get in there and I'm eating dinner with the lads. And uh, the uh, Walter had said, Gaffer wants to speak to you. I said, okay, so something's up. Again, you're 20 years of age, a bit wet behind the year, 2021, yeah. whatever it was. So I go and I'm sitting beside Phil Borsma, the therapist, and, and the gaffer, and, and Walter Smith. And he said, listen, me man, he said, if, if I have to wait and the young lad's coming through at the club, I'm going to be out of a job, he says. So you're one of the players that I can move on to help bring someone in. And, and they brought, you know, it was an exchange deal for Neil Woods, uh, came up yeah. from, from Doncaster. And uh, he said, how would you like to go and play for Doncaster? And I says, where the hell's Doncaster? <laughs> <laughs> said, where's Doncaster? And he says, oh, down in England. So Phil Borsma had been at Doncaster and he said, a great club, terrific manager, a gentleman by the name of Dave Cusack, who was, who was excellent. Um, but I knew in my heart at the time that I wasn't going to be in Sunis' plans, that I wasn't the gaffer was looking at different things. So I was never going to get a chance to play. Yeah. And it, it meant a lot to me. I wanted, I was away from my family in Canada. My wife and I were on our own. And the last thing I wanted to do was just play reserve team football all the time. I wanted to go and experience playing in front of crowds. I wanted to be in the national team uh, with Canada and so on. And I wasn't going to do that if I was just playing reserve football. So I, I, I took the, the opportunity and we went down and had two, two very good seasons at, uh, at Doncaster Rovers and, um, you know, was captain of the club right away. Big, he's like maybe the captain of the side. So that that spoke volumes to me that I'd I'd served a good apprenticeship, if you like, between the Toronto Blizzard and at Rangers. Okay, it wasn't a lot in the first team, but there's still pressure when you're playing against Celtic or Aberdeen in the reserves and all these sort of things, and you're playing with very good players against very good players as well. Yeah. So it was a great upbringing for me. Yeah, but that's, a, I guess, a positive way of looking at it because you get a lot of players calling who um, will just be happy just to sit on the bench and bide their time just because they are at Rangers. But I guess it shows a lot that you obviously want you move for the, the sake of your career and it proved to be a, the, the right move in the end, didn't it? Yes, it did. I mean, I found out later there was a couple of Scottish clubs that wanted me, but um, uh, I, I didn't know anything about that. I just found out later on with different clubs that I signed for that they had come in for me during the time. But... Uh, for whatever reason, I wasn't uh, I wasn't made aware of that. But but going down to Doncaster was great. I mean, I, I got a chance. Uh, 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 Blackburn Rovers came in for me, offered uh, money. I had a chance to go to Wrexham as well, uh, uh, but it didn't materialise. The club Doncaster wanted too much money for me at, at that time. 
but uh, it was good. It was a good move for me because it gave me first team football. We played, there were some very good players. Andy Rhodes was the goalkeeper at the time that did so well up in Scotland. Uh, Mark Rankin, uh, Brian Dean. Uh, there was a, a number of lads. Tommy Gaynor had come over from the Republic of Ireland and, and was a very good centre forward for Nottingham Forest too. So that was a great education for me in terms of getting first team football. It was fabulous. Was was um was Neil Redfern there at the time as well? He'd, he'd have been a young boy. He's a he's a cracking guy. He's a fabulous guy and a good player. He was yeah. and what a sense of humour he has. Yeah, he, uh, he was a really really good lad, a good teammate. Yeah, I've worked with him a couple of times down here. And um, see, uh, Bellevue, that was what what a pitch that I think that was the biggest pitch in the UK or something. We must must have had sore legs coming off there every week. I'm telling you, in pre-season, let me tell you, it was, it was a, a physio called Brian Carnaby. I'll never forget it. I have nightmares about the guy, uh, even to this day, about the running that we used to do at pre-season. Now, of course, you're running around the race course. Now, yeah. it, it doesn't look very much when the horses are doing it, but I'll tell you, <laughs> when the wee man's legs are going, trying to keep up with the rest of them, what a distance that is in a race course. Goodness me. And the grass was heavy and that it was, yeah, that was an experience as well, I think. It was, it was kind of like what Suna said to us one day in pre-season. He says, uh, right, lads, we're going we're gonna to go for a walk today. So I think, a walk? Yeah. So he took us to a place, and correct me if I'm wrong here, it might have been called Windy Hills Golf Course in Glasgow. And it was up and down, it was all over the place. So he sets us off, the full squad, first team and some uh, reserves. So Sunis was up at the front, and big Peter McCloy was at the back. And anybody that fell below Peter got a, a punch from the big man. It was... And I'm not kidding you, I, I couldn't walk up the speed that they were walking at. I had to do a slow job. And then, so we walked the full golf course, got back to hole number one. And then, okay, now we're going to run it, he says. And we were sprinting from hole one to hole two there. And all of a sudden, there was golfers. And all of a sudden, there was 40 Rangers players all charging down the golf course. What an experience it was. And it, it, it sort of turned me off golf, I can tell you that. <laughs> but, uh, but it was great. I mean, it was just different forms of training. And uh, yeah. the, the Bellevue was massive. But you're, but you're right, Derek, it was the biggest uh, pitch in England, for sure. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was something else. Um, before we... we what, you made your, um, your Canada debut, didn't you? Was it, was it against Scotland? Was it 83 or something? Yes, um, it was. It was in Toronto. Um, yeah. And it was, you know, I mean, what a side the Scottish side had that day. Yeah. In fact, I changed jerseys with Gordon Strachan after the game. And then we played Scotland again in Toronto a number of years later when Andy Oxford and Craig Brown were in charge and I had McCoy's jersey. So I've got two ex-old firm uh, <laughs> team jerseys in the house here. So it was brilliant, absolutely brilliant. But it was, um, it was you know, that side that we played against um, in Toronto and it was, you know, the stadium was busy at, at, uh, as well. Some terrific Players. Sturrock was up front, I think, for Scotland at the time. There was Nickel playing as well. and uh, Big Alec McLeish was playing, I'm sure, Willie Miller. Uh, Jim Layton was in goal. So it was a, you know, when you look back at the quality of that side, it was fantastic. Yeah. And of course, Canada made the, and you made the, the World Cup squad in, in 86. I know you never played, Colin, but what an experience that must have been to go to Mexico that year. Well, I tell you that this is one of the hardest stories I ever have to tell people because um, you know Tony Waiters, God rest him, just passed away um, yeah. uh, last year. Tony was a phenomenal manager, and he he selected twenty two players for the squad, but only took eighteen to Mexico. 
So there were four of us that were left behind in Vancouver uh, to act as a training squad. Now, his thinking behind that was the more players that weren't playing, the more unrest there would be in the camp. And I said, I disagreed with him, as you can imagine, Derek. I disagreed with Tony. I says, this is no some of these big-headed countries where their egos are getting a big room. This is Canada. This is Canada. We we may never get another chance to do this. So uh, the the four of us left, uh, were left in Vancouver. And it's terrible to say, but you're hoping lads who played in your position were getting injured or sent off or something so that you might get the phone call to go in. We got the same money, got the same everything uh, that every player did, uh, Derek, but... That one's a hard one to tell because you know you work so hard to get to the to, to get in the squad, yeah. and then you're one of the four lads that's left behind in Vancouver. Yeah, that's that's terrible. I never knew that that was the case. That's it's crazy, isn't it? You don't hear it any other international side doing that. Just, well, I mean, Tony regrets it. I mean, he I, he never said it to me, Derek, but he um, he he said it to other uh, influential people in the game. He said that was a big mistake that he made was leaving those players back in Canada. Yeah. Because, I mean, touch with John Herdman, the manager now gets the team to a World Cup, whether it's the next one or the, or the one, obviously, that we're, we're partly hosting. Um, but, you know, what an experience when it, when you speak to the lads that went there. There's a part of you, it's, it's like if you're injured and your team's just won a cup, you, you feel like a, you know, a, a spare prat at a wedding. Yeah. You know, it's, you know, you it's so... You're, you're a part of the squad, but you're no part of the squad. So yeah. it was really, really difficult. But Tony regretted it. He said that was one of the biggest mistakes he made in management. Yeah, yeah, I'd imagine it would be. And um, you touched on it there, of course. I guess Canada not made a tournament since then. Is, is, is that sad that they've, they've, they've not done that yet, Colin? I know, like you said, that they're hosting one in, in 2026 at the joint bid. Yes. But um, is it surprising they've not made a final bit before then? Well, the closest that we came uh, was actually a squad that uh, the manager, Bob Houghton, sorry, Bob Houghton, Bob Leonard Doozy, who played for the national team and, and uh, was was terrific for the national team. Bobby and, and Alan Errington, his assistant, uh, we were one game away from qualifying for the US World Cup. Yeah, and uh, if we had beaten Mexico and Toronto, uh, we would have qualified. Uh, and we, we were always in what they call the hex here in Concord. Is uh, is where the top six teams uh, qualify, and the the top three qualify for the World Cup, and then the the fourth place gets into a playoff with um, Australia. Generally yeah. speaking, it's from there. So we we played, we lost two one to uh, Mexico and Toronto. We scored first. I pulled my hamstring. The only game I missed out of sixteen World Cup qualifiers that year. Uh, I pulled my hamstring a week before in El Salvador, so I actually missed the game uh, in Toronto. We scored first with a free kick, and then, but Mexico beat us 2-1. So then we played Australia home and away. So we beat them in Edmonton, and then we flew to Sydney the following week, and we lost in penalties there. But then Australia had to play Argentina after that as well. So if we'd beaten Australia, then we would have had to play Argentina, so which would have been uh, I don't know that. Yeah, but that was that was the closest they came uh, that they've been since then. Was that was that team that uh, that we were involved in? Yeah, and of course that you mentioned uh, twenty twenty six. Is it is there a lot of excitement surrounding that at the moment, Colin? Do you, do you sense it? Uh, it's it's building ahead of that tournament. 
it's building. It's it's something that's in the distance at the yeah. moment. I think uh, what has to take place is this progression that we're seeing with some very very talented young Canadian players uh, yeah. coming through and senior lads. I mean, Scott Ar- Scott Arfield is a big part of the the national team uh, program, of course, for us. Uh, and you know, Alfonso Davies that I worked with when I was a manager at FC Edmonton. Uh, he was in our academy at the time, um, and a wonderful player even at that age. Was just. A breath of fresh air, so humble, uh, willing to listen and learn. And he, he did so well for the Whitecaps, and now he's doing so well for Bayern Munich. So it's a great story there for sure for us. Yeah, absolutely. Um, back to your, your domestic career, um, you, you joined Hamilton Ackies, of course. But before that, is it right you went back? And was it Hamilton Steelers you had a wee spell with? Yes, it, it was uh, It was part of an agreement that I had, that I had made with John Lambie. Uh, who was the manager at Hamilton Ackies at the time. Yeah. I had made the commitment once my contract was up at Doncaster to come back and play in the Canadian Soccer League. Uh, and I missed the first part of the season. It was just the last couple of months of the season uh, that I played for Hamilton Steelers. And once that finished, uh, we played in the final against the Vancouver 86ers, came back, and then, uh, that was that was me starting with, uh, with uh, Hamilton Ackies in, in the Premier League at the time. Yeah, and, and John Lambie, I mean, what a character he is. Sadly, he passed away um, uh, a year or so ago, but um, I guess he, he, he's, certainly, he's certainly one of a kind. He was, uh, yeah, yeah, I think you've summed him up well there, Derek, one of a kind. Uh, again, but a fabulous heart, you know, a gruff exterior. I wish I had a pound for every time he said a bad word, but um, I would be a very wealthy guy, but he cared about it as well. And his training methods, oh my goodness me, some of the things the gaffer had has doing, I'm not kidding you. There was there's some I can tell you about, some I won't tell you about, uh, Derek. Yeah. But it's safe to say you didn't know what to expect from one day to the next. It was just absolutely way out there. Him and, and, and Jerry Collins was his assistant. But you know, when I look back in my career, probably my time at Hamilton was the happiest I was I was ever as a player. Yeah. It was just some of the players that I had the privilege to play with uh, during those years. I don't know. I, I think it was over 200 games I had for the for the club. Um, some fantastic guys, some fantastic teams, some great managers. You know, Willie McLean, uh, who was the assistant manager with Big Billy McLaren. Yeah. What a mentor I had as a as an up and coming coach with with Willie McLean. I remember Craig Brown saying he's the most knowledgeable football person he'd ever met. Uh, Willie McLean. That was what a compliment that was. But Willie was fantastic. It's just his football intelligence, like. Jim McLean and his brother Tommy that I played for at Hearts, of yeah. course. But uh, and then, you know, it, it was it was great because it gave. I was working with first team players and coaching first team players when I was twenty three at Hamilton. Oh. So it was. I I think I was always destined to get into the coaching and managerial side of the game. Yeah. Uh, I loved it. It was never a chore, but that that every year that the characters that we had, the laughs that we had. And we always had good sides. We always had good sides. We missed out in promotion a couple of times very closely. And one year was goal difference, I think it was, we missed yeah. out on. Um, the, the, probably the most frustrating thing, Derek, from, from when I was there as a player, is the, the amount of fans that were leaving Hamilton to go to watch Rangers yeah. and Celtic or one, rather than, you know, coming to, to watch the Ackies. And, it, and it's still the same case, of course, but... Um, it was really disappointing because the the play that it was actually good football. 
I mean, the Scottish First Division at that time was, there was some fantastic teams in there. Goodness me, if you got out of that league, uh, into the Premier League, you were doing very, very well. Yeah. Um, the old Douglas Park, what, what was it like to, to play there? Of course, they, they've, they've long since moved from there. Yes, what an experience. Um, <laughs> it was just... It was just amazing. The pits looked good in pre-season, but then uh, come the end of October, you didn't know from one week to the next, Derek, what kind of state the pits were in. It's a shame because the the old kit guy, Willie, was what a character, the most miserable groundsman you've ever met in your life, but he loved his club and sitting on his tractor and everybody, you're telling me to get off the park. And it was in with that slope, you know, some of the, the, the nights in February under the lights, uh, Whatever it was, it was brilliant. There were, we had some some really really good sides. I mean, playing with, with guys like George McCluskey, um, you know Billy Reed Badger, who's done so yeah. well for himself, is still doing fabulous. Yeah. Andy Millen was fantastic. Big Jim Weir, yeah. you know Alan Ferguson, Kevin McKee, Craig Napier, and Colin Harris. The list goes on and on and on. Yeah. It was just a, a conveyor belt of very good t- players. Be Paul McDonald, of course, Kenny. Yeah, Moore. I'm just. Safe. Yeah, it was it was fantastic. It really, really was, you know. And and you just didn't know what the heck was coming next. I mean, I, I was my nickname was Coach all the way through there, and I, I used to drive the wee minivan to training. So we used to that was portable goals. We were never we didn't have a training facility or anything like that. Yeah. So the lads, the goals would be strapped onto the roof, and there'd be players hanging out the windows and all that stuff. So you get to and and a busy intersection in Hamilton, somebody would tap you on the shoulder, and you turn around. What is it? And they'd take the keys out of the ignition and throw them into the middle of the intersection. So I, I had to pull the put the flashes on, put handbrake on into the stop all the traffic. You've got all your gear on, you're soaking wet and all. That. Amazing, get the keys to the middle of the intersection. So I, I learned after a few times that. Uh, to keep eyes straight forward and, and keep your eyes on your keys. Um, some cracking players that you mentioned, Colin. Of course, it was the, the notorious Fergie as well, the, the, the supporter. Were you ever on the receiving end of one or two rants from him? He used to give me stick going on to the team. <laughs> we hadn't even played yet, Derek. It wouldn't even, hadn't even played yet. I remember when I, when I got the Aki's job, uh, one of the first things I did, because Fergie was sitting at, at of course, we played at Hill at the time, and I walked across the pitch, climbed up over the seats, and went up and shook his hand and I said, thank you, Fergie. I said, now you be gentle with me now. I'm, I'm just new to this management game. And as soon as I turned my back and walked out of the park to go back into the, the dressing room, I could hear, you're effing useless already, <laughs> Mullerney, slaughter me already. So what chance did I have? You know, what chance? <laughs> he was, I remember he was, he was locked out of the, he was barred from the stadium and somebody had gave him a ladder to get, so he could get up and see at the, the, the top end of Douglas Park, you could actually look down and see what it was like. But yeah, what a what a character he was. Yeah, he certainly was. Um, we had uh, Scott Strollers on uh, a year ago, and he said he used to give John Lambie really tight as well. He was he was he was he was something else. It didn't um, matter who you were, he would slaughter everybody. Yeah, um, you won the Challenge Cup, of course. We Aki's ninety two, ninety three. Any memories of uh, winning that trophy? Yeah, and then we, the one before it was called the Challenge. It was called the Being Q. Yeah. yeah, so we won, we won that twice. Yeah, uh, we won it uh, for Park. Was one of the games in. Oh God, where was the other one? Oh. I can't remember. There was. Uh, we won it twice, and we beat Morton in one of the finals. Um, oh geez, was it eighty nine? I can't remember. Oh. Who the team was that uh, that we had beaten, but it was 
it was good. It was they were I can tell you there were great nights after the after the yeah. final as well. But we had a good side, you know, we had a very good side. You know, there was there was real quality through the team. And we played good football. You know, I, I think back, you know, Billy McLaren at the time, we played three five two. Uh so Billy was well ahead of his time. There weren't a lot of teams in Scotland that were playing with three at the back. Um, you know, Lambie played 4-4-2 for the most part. Big Jim Dempsey was was a manager that was in there as well during my time. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, of course, then Ian Monroe came in. He, Ian actually sold me to, to St. Johnson. But uh, it was a great wee club. It was a great wee club. I, I've got great, great memories as a player there, not so much as a manager, but certainly as a player. Yeah, we'll touch on the, the management uh, stuff in a wee minute, Colin. You mentioned that um, Ian Monroe comes in and, and he sells you to St. Johnson. But... Were you sad to leave Aki's at that point, or did you see it maybe as a, a career progression? I know they were in the same division at the time, weren't they? Yes, I, I was. I was sad because the lads, of course, and and you know, I've been there for so many years. Great, but the chance to go up to a brand new stadium with a with a manager that I liked, uh, Paul Sturrock yeah. and John Blackley, who was great when I was there. I got on very very well with Sloot at the time, and and it was a good side. Um, you know, it, it was very good. We were in the Premier League at the time, uh, Derek, and yeah. we, we got relegated that season. Yeah. I think we lost one out of the, the remaining 12 games or something like that that I was there. Uh-huh. And we just narrowly missed out. I think we might have gone down to the last day or something like that. But uh, but it was, a, it was a great club. They've done fantastic this season as well. Callum Davidson, who was just a, a young lad when I was there at the time, has yeah. done so well for the club. It's great to see. Yeah, and of course, uh, before too long, you'll be you're on your your way over to Edinburgh and to join Hearts, huge club calling. I guess it was. Um, was there any other club in for you at that point? I guess when the Hearts come calling, it's hard to to um to knock that one back. Yeah, I couldn't turn that one down. There's no ways. I mean, uh, you know, third biggest club for me in Scotland. Yeah. Uh, that's how I feel about it. The, the support was phenomenal and. I remember we lost to Airdrie in the semi-final of the Scottish Cup uh, at Hamden. And I think the crowd was about 24,000, 25,000. I guarantee at least 21, 22 of those were jambos. Uh, Everywhere we went, the crowd, I think it's fantastic that they're back into the Premier League uh, next season uh, because the Premier League is a better place with the jambos in it. Uh, What was Tynecastle like as as an arena to play football at? Oh, it was great. I mean, the, the, you know, the, I love how the stadium was built where when it was redone, where the seats go straight up. Yeah, it's so enclosed. Yeah, fantastic. When you've got the old firm in there, of course, the Edinburgh Derbies that I played in, uh, the noise was was fantastic in that, that stadium. Uh, the supporters got right behind the side. They wanted, they, they want the team to do well. And, uh, you know, it's as I said earlier, it's great to see them back in the, back in the Premier League. But a great atmosphere. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you about the Edinburgh Derby, Colin. Um, uh, feisty, to say the least. What, what, what's your what's your memories of playing in that game? Yeah, I mean, it, it was it was feisty. It was it was what you would hope a derby would be. Yeah, you know, you, I keep seeing these uh, English derbies as they like to call them. I mean, goodness me, my, my missus and I argue more than the, <laughs> some of these things. Um, yeah, it was you know sort of blood and snotters in a lot of the games. You know, even. Even the Rangers Celtic reserve games were were yeah. just as intense as the first team because it, it just that was your rival that was your you didn't want to get beat in any way shape or form the same thing with with the Jambos and 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 uh, and Hibs it was very intense there was some some cracking games and 
you know, you, you get wound up to play against players. Uh, uh, what's his name? There was a, a couple of wingers that they had, Hibs, that, that, you know, as a fullback, you were wound up to play against them. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, McAllister, I think if I remember. Was Kevin McAllister, McAllister yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah. You, you always knew you were in for a, a tough game with him. And uh, there was a lad that played with Doncaster, sorry, played with Rotherham. Uh, oh God, Gareth Evans was that? Ah, uh, yes, player? yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so you, you're up against these types of players, and and they could they could wind you up a wee bit as well. So you always had to make sure you gave as good as you got. But but I loved my time at the Jambos. And when Jim Jeffries came in uh, after Tommy McLean had had yeah. been let had left the club, uh, you know I didn't play many games under Jim, uh, and I knew the writing was on the wall because uh, he was. You know, I, I, it's one of the, the, the worst times of my career, actually, when Jim came in. Um, although he was, he was a, a, a good guy, but I knew that I wasn't in his plans. I wasn't one of his signings. So when the opportunity to leave, to go to Dunfermline, I, I jumped at the chance uh, there, Derek. I know I'm maybe jumping ahead here, but the, that the time at, at Dunfermline again, and, and we just had a, a big reunion there on Zoom, uh, with the lads that won promotion uh, into the Premier League uh, and that season uh, it was 25, 26 years ago now it seems that long ago, it's amazing but uh, what a good club that was uh, I, I really, really enjoyed my time for the Pars Yeah, absolutely, um, just touching before we go there uh, Colin, it was, uh, were you there when Pasquale Bruno signed for, for, for yes. Hearts? He's, <laughs> he's a character, yeah. isn't he? Yes, he is, and what a player he was I remember his first training session uh, and it was actually at Tynecastle and the pitch was wet and it was the day before the game and we we're doing some shooting and he was, it was sort of outside of the foot stuff and, and that and big press wall but the big man had a shot and we were I was about two or three behind him waiting for him. I said what a strike that was the top corner I said very lucky there that was his right foot and then he did the same with his left foot then he did the same thing I said oh, he's not bad this lad he's not bad but, uh, but yeah, it was the, 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 the signings that were made at the club, you know, that you just, you, you want to see the clubs being rewarded for, for showing a bit of ambition and uh, the Jambos at that time showed a bit of ambition. It was good. It was good to see. What was your, your, your feelings to, towards Tommy McLean? I know we had uh, John Philbin on a few weeks ago and he <laughs> said they had a love-to-hate relationship, that they both love to hate each other sort of thing. Uh, how, how did you find him? Yeah, I got on very well with Tommy. I know that he tried to sign me a few times when he was a manager at Motherwell. Yeah. Uh, fortunately, it, it broke through, it broke down with, through money, of course, nothing to do with me, but uh, between the two clubs. But but I, I enjoyed, uh, you know, he's, he's a great football brain, a great football brain. Um, he was, you did, the last thing you wanted to do was get beaten on a Saturday and pass him in the hallway on the Monday because he yeah. wasn't uh, always the happiest guy on the Monday morning. But Big Tam for Scythe was his assistant and uh, Big Tam was the, he was the guy that was kind of in getting everybody motivated as well. But his knowledge of the game, goodness me, tactically was so astute. Um, but I, I, as I said, I, I really enjoyed it. It's just a shame that, you know, I look at the players that we had at the time, Big Jim Bett, you know, Nicky was, yeah. was a keeper as well. Scott Leach was, was at uh, Tyne Castle there with us. Uh, Brian Hamilton, you know, John Robertson, of course, up front, Reed yeah. Calhoun as well. It was a right good side, but it was kind of similar, Derek, to the time I had when I was at Rangers, when 
the team was sort of middle of the pack and, and it never really kicked on the way we'd hoped it would do. Yeah. So then you moved to Dunfermline then and it proves to be the right move for you, Colin. I mean, that season that you went up, we had um, Ian Westwater on a few months ago and he always talks about that game at Tannadice when um, he was producing world-class save and you went up, that was the second last game of the season, I think you won 1-0. What was your memories of that season? Because it was such a traumatic one as well, an emotional one with passing at Norrie McCarthy, wasn't it? Yes, it was. And I was away, believe it or not, Derek, I was away with the national team in Mexico um, when Big Nori, uh, God bless him, uh, uh, went to, uh, when, when the big fella passed away. Yeah. So I was, kind of, I'm using this term very loosely, here. I was one of the lucky ones who didn't have to experience what everybody else was going through, although it, it hurt me deeply when I was away with the national team. But the, the reaction from the players, you know, was, was fantastic. Uh, Dick Campbell and, and Bert Payton were phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. They were great with me. Uh, I, I knew Dick Campbell from my time doing the coaching licenses down at Largs, and I got to know him quite well. Dick was, was a very, very good coach educator and still is a, a real character within Scottish football. Uh, but Bert was, you know, the two of them worked so well together. Um, uh, but we, the, you speak about the game up in Tannadice, it's probably the same as Big West because we were just speaking about the, that game yeah. in particular. We were, uh, you know, we were kind of hot and cold at one point. I had left the Jambos, and I think it was maybe just after Christmas, Derek, when I signed for, for Dunfermline. And, of course, you're going in there and you're replacing probably the irreplaceable uh, Jackie McNamara, who yeah. went from, from Dunfermline to Celtic, and yeah. what a player Jackie was. Uh, so I'm going in there. I'm a ham and egg version of, of Jackie McNamara. But <laughs> thankfully, the team clicked, you know, and, and we had, had, had a wee winger in front of me called Alan Moore, uh, and we Murray at the time was flying. He was he was such a good player for Dunfermline, and he actually made my job quite easy because I would just win it and give the ball to the wee man, let him do his thing. Uh, and thankfully, it clicked for us. But the time up at Tannadice, we had I think it was Stuart Peter that got sent off, and so it was backs to the wall sort of stuff. But that day, you know, they they put the Dunfermline supporters behind the goal to the to the right as you look at the at the stand, and. They probably made a mistake, Dundee United, because the noise that our supporters made that day yeah. was probably the loudest I've, even the day that we won the league against Airdrie. Uh -huh. The crowd that day up at Tannadice was louder and more, just as well, more, more passionate that day because they knew what was in store if we got the three points that day. Yeah. And it was a, it was a, it was one of those games you look back on your career and you were, it was a privilege to be a part of it. But the players to a player, really did a number that day because that Dundee United side was a Premier League side. Yeah. And it shows you, that, I mean, the camaraderie and all that between you that you're still um, in contact to this day. It just shows you how sort of tight-knit you all were. And I guess credit must go to the likes of Bert and Dick for uh, forging that sort of um, uh, atmosphere amongst, you, amongst the boys. Yes, I mean, there was passion, there was emotion, there was everything that you would imagine in the dressing room. Yeah. But there was also, uh, it was just a group, of, a group of good guys. And you, you go through times in your career, uh, either as a player or as a, or as a manager, or as a coach, when you're surrounded by people, you go, mm, I'm not so keen on this. Yeah. Or you, you're working with people, you go, this is great. I can't wait to go into my work. So I traveled from the West with Big Andy Smith, Harry Curran, Tom Callahan, Alan Moore, uh, the, the list Jerry Britton as well was another one that was in the group and everyone was a bigger character than the next one 
and it was laugh a minute stuff. It was just fabulous. And it just made the part. And then we get to it, and then you had your Edinburgh guys that came in, with Big Westy and the guys, Bingy, and, uh, and then you had the lads that, that were local. But unlike some of the clubs where it was very cliquish, there were there were no cliques at Dunfermline. It was just a really, really group, intense group of guys. And I tell you, when when we did, I think we finished fifth and sixth in the Premier League the, the yeah. two seasons after that, it showed you what uh, Burton Dick had, had created was a very, very difficult team to play against. Yeah, I was going to touch on that. I mean, it's for a, a promoted side to, to achieve those uh, finishes. It's it's quite incredible, really, when you think about it, isn't it? I guess when, when you went up, did you have that sort of the no fear factor? Did you just go and enjoy yourselves and express yourselves? Well, we knew we were. We, we knew how fit the team was. I mean, that that was a, a big part of it. But we had good players. Mark Miller, for me, was one of the. And I told him his face when he we were playing. He's one of the biggest underachievers I've ever saw. Yeah. Because the talent that the lad had, if he had had my attitude all the time, yeah. he would have played. He, he was he could have played for the, the old firm for sure. I, I think he was that good. Um, but you had, you know, big smudger, big Andy Smith up front, who was a handful to play against at the best yeah. of times. And but you had Stuart Petrie, who was a very good left winger. Alan Moore on the right hand side, and then you had Hamish French, who was just a model professional. Yeah. It, just, it was just a group of lads that were very, very committed to doing well. And then you start to get results. You start to do well from set plays. And we were very dangerous from set plays. I mean, we, Murray and I, were both five foot seven. We were like guard the gnomes compared to the rest of the team uh, because it, it was a big, strong side, very, very, very physical side. But And the crowd got behind us. And some great nights at East End Park, some great days as well, uh, and some terrific memories. I know you get a couple of draws against Rangers during your time. Did, did you enjoy facing up to your old team, Colin? Did you have that little bit of extra motivation to, to show that, I guess, that they were wrong to let you go in the first place? Yeah, it's funny. I was I was speaking about that the other day. That Yeah, I, I spoke at, I think when you go back to play all your, your clubs, there's a wee part of you that wants to, not necessarily, oh, I'll show you, but you just want to say that... Um, you know, listen, I've done, I'm done okay. I've done okay. Yeah. I've done okay. I'm still in the game and I'm playing at a very good level. And, uh, and, and, and I never look back on that saying, oh, you shouldn't have let me go. And I, I look at it as being very, very grateful for the time that I had there. So I, I never look back at any of the clubs that I was at with any bitterness or that. That's just, I left with bad, a bad taste in my mouth. It was always, yeah. I left on good terms with each club. I was a good professional. Uh, and, and I'm, I was I'm happy with that. There's, I could make some phone calls just now and the people that I would play with or some of the managers, they would still help me out. And yeah. I, I think that's that speaks volumes, you know. Yeah. When you'd have come up against Rangers and Celtic at that point, they had some cracking players. I know Celtic had the likes of the Canyon, but have you? Rangers had Loudrop and Gascoigne, and the ones that you obviously think about. Um, you come up uh, against Dame Colin and, and what were they like as opponents? Goodness me, for some reason, every manager that I played for, I had to do the man-marking jobs on these players. So you can imagine trying to pick up Brian Loudrop, you know, or Paulo Di Canio in, in these games. And the difference between the two players, I, you know, in all the times that I played against Brian Loudrop, he never shook my hand once. Did he not? Never shook my hand once. And I, I went up to him to shake hands and he just walked past you. Wow. Maybe because I tried to kick lumps out of him. For <laughs> me. But... Um, I was the first time I played against Loudrop uh, was at Ibrox and I couldn't believe the size of him. 
I mean, I must have been about six feet one at Loud Rugby. But I I was amazed about the size of him. But what a player he was uh, for Rangers. And uh, the difference between Loud Rugby and and the Canio, I felt that if Loud Rugby got past you, you were never getting back to get another bite at him. Yeah. If the Canio got past you, he would try and beat you again and he'd give you a chance to, to have a go at him again. Uh, but both phenomenal players. When you think of the, the, the Scottish Premier League at that time, the players that were playing in that Premier League was fantastic. It was a fabulous league. It really, really was. Yeah, that makes. I mean, that makes your uh, fifth and sixth place for finishes all the more remarkable. It's it's um, it's, it's uh, really something else. Um, you, you'd leave Dunfermline, then you'd have a wee stint at Air United, then you'd go back to Aki's as a as a player coach. Um, all was not well, though, at Aki's at that point, wasn't it, Colin? I mean, it was. it's, it's, it's hard to think back now to, to where they are now, which is punching above their weight for so many seasons. But back then, I guess, it, was, it, was it tough? Were you, were you firefighting a lot at the time? You know, I, I was playing for air uh, with Gordon DL and, and Ian Monroe as the staff there, and, and we managed to stay up in the Scottish First Division the, the year before. It was uh, That was another great game. We played Partick Thistle the last game of the season. Yeah. Basically, the winner stays up, the loser gets relegated. They, they delayed the crowd for about 15, 20 minutes. I think there was about 15,000 at Fur Hill that day. Wow. Uh, and we won 2 0. I mean, John Davies and, and that, Andy Walker, there were some fantastic players in, in that year, the United side. So the following season, uh, we played against the Ackies at Somerset Park. And uh, the following week, I became their manager. Uh, myself and another uh, prominent Scottish manager. Uh, interviewed for the job and, and and I got the job I was 33 uh, I got a, an approach from from one of the the board to to, to, uh, to ask about or sorry to be interviewed for it so I did and you think you're going to be the next Walter Smith or the next uh, you know Pep Guardiola these sort of things you think oh this is going to be a doddle and when I look back Derek it was probably one of the biggest mistakes that I made now, it was nothing against the club. It's just, for me personally, I wish I had become an assistant manager at some point and served an apprenticeship. So one minute you're the player, 33 years of age, the following week you're the one that's in charge of all the players yeah. and you're the one that's accountable to the board and so on and so forth. So it was it was quite a transition for me. Um, the players, I loved working with players every single day. Uh, the the they worked away. They, 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 we had no S forms at all at the club. So believe it or not, I know a lot of people know this. Myself and Ali Dawson actually started the youth process many, many years ago at, uh, at uh, Hamilton. And we went down to Hamilton Palace in the boxes, Derek, yeah. that are there at, uh, at Northern Nightclub. The, uh, <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> at that time, I think it was called Hallis, the, the, the playgrounds down there anyway. There was in these we five-a-side boxes. Yeah. Here was myself, the first team manager, taking a group of lads and Ali Dawson beside me with another group of lads. And the, the chief scout at the, at the time, his name, his first name was Jim, and I'm sorry, I can't remember his last name. But we had about 40 boys coming every Thursday night. Now, I'm not taking credit for how successful the academy has been now, for sure. But... That was it in its infancy was myself and Ali trying to get, because we, 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 you see the potential that's in that Lanarkshire area. There is yeah. it's, it's still a hotbed of football. 
but we had nothing, we had nothing to, to fall back. Now, sure, some of that may have been to the finances of the club and so on, but it was a very, very difficult time. Uh, so Ali and I started the, the, the academy at that time, uh, as they called it, but it was, you know, playing away in Firhill was, was a disaster. Uh, I know that the Douglas Park, all the problems that we had, even when I was there as a player, Derek, it was still a problem. Was it, is it going to be sold? Is the stadium going to be built? There was all sorts of things. There were banners from, from supporters saying certain directors must die. I'll never forget seeing those things that were going on. Um, you know, I was starting to get pizzas delivered to the house at four o'clock in the morning, taxis delivered, all, all sorts, uh, pointing me back wow. to Canada. It was it was a shame that I mean we got relegated. Um, it was it was no good time for me, even with my family, my wife, my kids. Um, yeah. If I had stayed in Scotland in that job, I think I would have been divorced, Derek. To be honest yeah. with you, because it, it takes over your world, uh, football management and, and the game, which doesn't care about you. You know, I'm getting a wee bit deep here, but no, you no. know. I, both Ryan and Sarah, my kids were were, they were just wee ones at the time. Sarah was just a baby, but Ryan would run towards me and I'd give him a big hug and not, and then I'd forget I had kids, I'd forget I had a wife. Um, you know, Maria, we, we, it was just, I was thinking already, what was I going to do next week? I remember another story, I was sitting in the office on a Friday, an office, it was a porter cabin that we got trained, changed in and trained in. Um, so I'm sitting there, it must have been about four o'clock, half past four, and Scott Struthers, answers the phone and it's Terry Butcher who was up at Dundee United at the time and he says that Terry was speaking to Scott about something else and he said is anybody in is the wee man in he says yeah he's in he says put him on the phone so here I'm speaking to big Terry and, and he says what could you possibly be doing at half past four on a Friday he says when you've got a family at home I says oh I'm just getting next week sorted and getting it. He says, I'm, I'm telling you now, he says, I'm going to phone there in about 15 minutes again. And if you're no out of the, no out of that ground, heading back to the wife and kids, I'm coming down, I'll find where you live and I'll slabber you. And that's what he was saying, that's how much he cared. I mean, he knew himself that you had to try and find the balance. And I didn't find the balance at that time. Uh, you know, myself and Billy Davis, Billy was at Motherwell and I was at Hamilton. We were probably the two youngest managers in Scotland at the time. Yeah. And it's a real shame, but what an education that was. Uh, you know, I I did the next pre-season with the lads and we lost two out of the first four games, uh, two cup games and two league games. And then I just turned and I looked up at one of the directors of the club and I waved them down to me and I said, OK, I'm, I'm done. I said, what do you mean you're done? I said, no, I said, I've had enough. I said, I, I can't handle this. The, getting a bit of stick now from the supporters and which is fine that's it's part of the game it's actually too big a part of the game in, in many ways I think it's gone so far the other way Derek but I just said no I said this is going to cost me my, my marriage and that so the board turned down the resignation and it took a week to accept the resignation um, and it just showed you that they could see what we were trying to do Ali and I but you know, that was the season I think the team actually went on strike because they weren't getting paid as well. So yeah. it was a really, really, really difficult time for the club. And and it was a shame because I, I loved playing. I loved my time at the club. I still look for the Aki's results all the time and I hope Chipper manages to to pull it off again this season. Yeah, I was going to say, it was, it's, it was dark days, of course. It, was, it seems like a, a world away from where they are now. I know... Uh, it would be an absolute miracle if he keeps them up again. I know they're written off season after season, and 
Um, he just—it's it's just young kids at the end of the day that he's playing. Play, play, it'd be absolutely magnificent to see them see them stay up uh, once and more. Once more, I know the time we are speaking, they're, they're taking on Ross County, so fingers crossed they can yes. get a result. Um, you went back. You went back to Canada. Then is, is it right? You were you, you were made was it assistant to the, the national team then, Colin? Was that a welcome relief getting over there and getting away from it all? Yeah, it was. It was actually during my national team times. There was a guy called Barry Crocker who was general manager of the Abbotsford Soccer Association, which is a a, a youth grassroots club. Uh, it's where my family have lived for well, it'll be twenty one years in August. So uh, um, the Barry asked me in nineteen ninety seven. I was still playing. Uh, would you like to come back and be the, the head coach of the club? And I says, oh, I'm young, you're invincible, you're still playing football, you, you're never going to get old. So lo and behold, things uh, went pear-shaped uh, a bit like my backside and uh, <laughs> I ended up going back to being the, the head coach of the club. And through that, I became the assistant coach with Holger Osiek, who had actually won the World Cup with Germany uh, with as Franz Beckenbauer's assistant. Uh, I was his assistant for about two and a half years. Uh, so great experience working with Holger. He was, uh, dare I say, a typical no-nonsense German uh, manager. Um, so I learned a great deal, sometimes how to do things and sometimes how not to do things. Yeah. So uh, as, you, as you do, as you're always picking things up as coaches and managers. Yeah. Fast forward to um, uh, when Billy Davis gives you the call that you mentioned and he takes you to Derby, going into the Premier League, uh, you must have relished that. I know it never went your way, Colin. It was, uh, it was uh, quite a poor season for the club uh, on the field. What was your ex- memories and experience of that of that season? Well, it was, uh, you know, Billy and I had kept in touch with each other. We got on well in our time at, at Rangers, and I had an utmost respect for Billy. Still do, and um, you know, when I went back there. You know, I could see the standard of the players was, with the greatest respect, not English Premier League standard. And probably the team maybe had overachieved the year before to get promotion, Derek. So it was a, it was a shame, but definitely a Premier League club, Premier League supporters, Premier League uh, training facility. Everything about the club is Premier League levels. And, and I really hope that they can get back, the, the Rams can get back into the Premier League soon. Um, and... But a great time, you know, I, I, as you can imagine, I, I think I'm the only Canadian to have worked in the, in the English Premier League yeah. uh, from a coaching capacity. Worked with the first team and then uh, myself and John Davies looked after the reserves. Uh, but my job primarily after training was to go and do the scouting reports on the, the opposition the week uh, ahead. So I would, Billy wanted three reports on each team uh, that we would be playing and I would do the third report for them. So... Uh, obviously, my reports were rubbish because we, we didn't have a really good season. But but what an experience it was. What an experience. You're sitting at Goodison Park watching Liverpool and Everton. You're watching Man United play, whatever. You know what? And you're sitting there with your tin flute on and, and yeah. making reports up on set plays and all sorts of things. It was absolutely fabulous. It was absolutely fabulous. It's just a shame how it worked out. Working, I actually lived with Craig Brown for about five, five and a half months during my time there. So it was like living with a headmaster. It was quite an experience living with Brune. He's, he's still keeping touch with him, uh, regular and uh, an absolute legend. So I was very, very grateful for that opportunity. Yeah. There weren't too many highlights that season. Only one when you beat Newcastle, of course, Kenny Miller scored that beauty of a goal. And what was he like to work with, uh, Colin? 
Yeah, Kenny was great, a, a, a very good professional. Uh, I knew him uh, well from my time there. And of course, it, when he came out to the Vancouver Whitecaps, uh, yeah. I knew him well there. And uh, we, you know, I, I went and I got a photograph on my phone. Rangers played in a sort of North American type tour a number of years ago. Uh, when Coisley was in charge and got a photograph with, with Kenny behind the goal before the game started. But uh, yeah, he was Kenny was a great professional. It doesn't surprise me how long and successful his career was. Yeah. Billy obviously go Paul Joe came in there, wasn't he? Is it just a case that he wanted to bring his own his own sort of men in? Is that how it's yes. Worked? Yeah, like in so many times when when that chop happens, if you like, for want of a better phrase, uh, the manager does want to bring his own people in. And of course, through loyalty to the man who's brought you in, uh, you know, the staff move on. Um, but it was a shame. I, I think that, you know, the club at the time, they sort of promised Billy certain amounts of money from what I could gather. Uh, and it, it never really came about. So, uh, but it, was a, it wasn't a fair fight that season. But Billy Davis, for me, you know, his attention to detail, his, uh, you know, Billy would get the DVD of the game he'd go back to the house and it'd be four or five in the morning and he'd have the game broken down into all the sets so that the staff would meet him on a Sunday and he'd go through bits and pieces of what the training was going to be like. That's how intense Billy was and his attention to detail, his knowledge of the game, players, was was fantastic. It was a, a, a really, really strong learning curve for me there. Yeah, I can't remember who we had on, but they, they sort of stayed the same as you, uh, Colin. He's... He just knows everything about about the game. He's, he's so knowledgeable. Um, yeah. you, you go back then. You take was it uh, Victoria Highlanders? Uh, we spell it what uh, Vancouver, and then uh, you go to FC Edmonton. You spend a, a good bit of time there. Um, did you enjoy your your, your time in, in charge there? I did, and I was I was the Whitecaps assistant for a couple of years as well uh, before that one uh, in the MLS, which was a great experience. Um, but the FC Edmonton job came up and I applied for it. And I, they flew me out to Edmonton, which is about an hour, an hour and 15 minute flight from where we live. Um, and then I got the job. So I inherited a group that I had to, you know, there were players. I never say a player's not good enough. I say they're not ready for that level of football. I inherited a, a number of players that weren't ready for that level of football. So there was a big transition year one. But the team in year two, three, and four, the team did very well, reached the playoffs, and were very, very successful. Did well, we beat and drew the Whitecaps in uh, in Montreal in the Canadian Championships that were MLS clubs. We did very well, very competitive, had a great culture at the club, a very hard working culture. Yeah. Uh, but then the last season, the fifth year that I had, we finished second bottom of the league. It was just one of those seasons that, through my own fault, bringing in certain players that just didn't materialise the way we had hoped, Derek. But um, but that experience itself, and during that time, I actually got asked to take the Canadian team to the Gold Cup. I was in charge of the, the team in the Gold Cup, which was a great experience as well as being the manager of, of FC Edmonton. Uh, but I signed a couple of players. I signed a couple of lads uh, that were easily my best signings, was uh, uh, Darrell Fordyce and Albert Watson. Uh, both played for Linfield in Northern Ireland. And I went, flew across and watched them both play and, uh, you know, fabulous professionals and it just shows you for for some of these younger these other leagues that there's these diamonds that yeah. are playing in lower levels that they they just need a chance they just need a chance but they added so much professional to professionalism to the young canadian lads that we had here you know who are with the greatest respect in some cases silver spooned yeah. uh, 
whereas Albert and Daryl came from a different world and they sort of taught, you know, just how hard you have to work if you want to make a living out of the game. So, but it was a great experience. I was very, very privileged. I had great owners, Tom and Dave Farr brothers. Uh, they they supported me and, and they gave me a chance. I mean, how often does a manager last five years at a club? Yeah, exactly. You do. It's, it's unheard of these days. Um, and it leads us on. You're, you're back at uh, Abbotsford, of course. What, what what sort of work are you doing there? Yeah, so so it's great to be back home working at the grassroots level now. Although I, I get to work with the adult teams, uh, the men and the women's adults team, and I've had a, some great experiences working with the with the senior national team women uh, as well as university women's teams here. Uh, so I've I've got a, there's not a, no a t-shirt I haven't bought in. Uh, hold of during my career Derek but it's great to be back um, uh, you know I, I was driving 180 kilometres a day at one point in my previous job and now I'm doing 8 or 9 kilometres so it's a big difference that way I'm at home, at home far, far more but uh, I'm in charge of coaching development uh, with the 11 side teams and, and, and the adult sides as well as uh, the player development too so Part of my responsibility will be trying to get these young boys and girls onto the next level of football, uh, and then hopefully with the senior adult teams, uh, they're playing at the top levels of amateur here. Hopefully, we can. I'm going to be the head coach of both those teams this year, so it's going to be busy once this crazy world smartens up and the adults can get back playing again. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I want to ask you as well, Colin. Of course, um, this season's been a, a momentous one for your old club, uh, Rangers, winning the the league title again. If you if you Managed to, to watch the majority of the games, being where you are, and, and how impressed have you been with um, the work that Steven Gerrard and the players have put in this season? Yeah, it's it's a phenomenal achievement, isn't it? Because you know the you know Celtic going for ten in a row, yeah. uh, the pressure that was on both clubs, to be honest with you, yeah. uh, is 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 enormous. Uh, but I'm I'm just delighted. For the most part, I think Rangers have been very good, very consistent. Uh, there have been times I think they've been poor. Uh, I don't think they've, you know, it's, it's amazing sometimes the media builds them up and I, I don't think they've been as good as what they have been built up to be. Yeah. But uh, yes, when you're 23 points ahead of your nearest and dearest rivals, uh, it says a great deal about the success that your team has had. Very disappointing in the cup, of course, because, uh, you know, I think St Mirren were full value when they, when they beat Rangers earlier in the season in the cup. Yeah. And I also think St Johnson were terrific against us the, uh, the other day a few weeks ago and, and knocked them out in penalties. And yeah. uh, it's so disappointing uh, as a Rangers fan, but also as a Saints fan, it's it's great to see uh, St. Johnson get into another cup final. I hope they go in and beat Hibs being the next jumbo as well. So I'll probably get <laughs> a lot of people off here when I'm saying that. But um, yeah, oh, I get up early. I, I very seldom, I know that they're playing at the moment when, when we're talking here, but yeah. I, I don't miss many games. I t- I'm a Rangers fan and I get up and I, I support them as much as I can. Yeah, cracking stuff. Well, they're 2-0 up over Livingston, I can tell you, Colin. So, um, also, well, they went to that Aberdeen game. It uh, could, could be an invincible season, which you don't really hear about uh, often, especially these days. No, you don't. And because, I mean, nobody's got a divine right to win, Derek. You no. know, and you, when you play for the old firm, every game, every team that you're playing against, it's their cup final. Yeah. So you have to be up at that level all the time. And, and one thing that's definitely clear are the standards that, that Stephen Gerrard and, and his staff, Gary McAllister, that I, I know his standards for sure, that they've, they, they preach, you know, you can see it all the time. You can see the passion. You can see it. Well, Stephen Gerrard, what a career he had as a player. 
you know, he was a leader. And, you know, he, I think he would have fought with his granny to win. And, and McAllister was just class and quality all the way through his career as well. But um, th there's a lot of lot of pedigree in between those players. And, and uh, the lad Beal seems to be a, a bit of a guru when it comes to the, the coaching side of things as well. So the, the club is very well placed to continue to move forward, I think. Yeah, it absolutely is. Well, it's been absolutely terrific having you on, Colin. And thank you very much for, for coming on the podcast. I've uh, thoroughly enjoyed it. Thank you. My pleasure, Derek. Anytime. That was episode 103 of the Talking Football podcast with Colin Miller. As ever, I hope you enjoyed it. Remember, you can listen to any previous episodes on the Talking Football website. It's talkingfitball.co.uk. You'll also find a whole lot of great articles on there also. You can also follow us on Twitter at Talking underscore football. And we're on YouTube and Facebook as well. If you want to sponsor the podcast, you can do just that. Just visit the Get Involved page on the website or email us at contact at DerekClarkSports.co.uk. Hope you can join me again next week, but until then, keep safe and bye for now.